0: Amen. All right. Thanks, Tommy. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you all. All right. Powerful. So just thinking about these words and, you know, (laughs) it's it's good to remember that the scriptures tell us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when God gives you a word, it's going to spark your faith. It's only the enemy who brings fear. And so when God releases a word to us, with that word, it you know it kind of raises our level of faith, but it also brings grace with it, right? Because God is not going to call us to anything that he is not going to help us navigate and get through. And so just remember that, that God is calling us into freedom. It's only the enemy who wants to make those things feel like a weight and make us feel burdened down by it, amen? All right, so we've been in this Resolve series and um, we'll kind of take a journey through the past few weeks to see uh, what we've talked about. And so as we look at the first week we started this Resolve series, uh, the first week we talked about to know Christ. We were coming out of Philippians 3 and we said, you know what, if we want to live into the word that God has given to us, we need to live deeper into our relationship with God. And what is God calling us to? And he is calling us, number one, to know Christ, right? To know him. Uh, God is so infinite that he blows our minds. And so whatever I know of him today, he can blow my mind tomorrow. He's a God that leaves us awestruck, that we are in awe of him because there's so much more uh, to know of him. The second week we talked about press on. The reality that there are things that arise in our life that tries to hold us back or push us back, but we have to sometimes get into the press. Lord, I'm gonna press on. I'm gonna strain towards what you're calling me to. Why? Because he's even given us the grace to press through some of the things that the enemy would bring, like resistance. The third week, we talked about forgetting the past. In order to move forward, you gotta forget the past. And forgetting the past doesn't mean that you block it out of your mind. It means that sometimes the past does come to mind. But you say to yourself, "Uh, I'm not gonna settle for that. A lot of times we think that forgetting the past has to do with solely negative things but it could be positive things. You know, they say the greatest threat to success is past success. You know, and sometimes in our life with God, we can tend to think, oh, well, I experienced that. There's nothing greater than that. And we get settled in our faith. But really, we should be open to move forward and to press on with God and forgetting the past. And last week, Pastor Doug talked about keep in rhythm. I don't know if you remember the video how he played those drummers that were in sync with one another. But what he was talking about is being in rhythm or keeping in step with the Spirit. I like to say keep in tune. You know, you think about a piano. If you've ever heard a piano out of tune, you know, it sounds pretty bad. But when it's out of tune, you bring in someone who knows how to tune the piano and then they can make it sound beautiful again. And so keeping in rhythm is really asking God to tune our hearts to his frequency so that we're hearing him and we're keeping in step with him. Well, today we're gonna pick up and we're gonna talk about community. How important community is to help us thrive in our relationship with God. In our relationship, we don't just want to Survive. Oh, I'm barely making it, you know? God, God is good. I didn't hear him all day yesterday. you know, I barely made it. I got one foot out of the bed and one foot in the other, but he's good. I mean, and yes, we have real struggles, but we recognize that in Christ, we recognize there's a joy that isn't based on our circumstance. There's a peace that is not relegated to how I feel at the moment. But when I have a thriving relationship with God, I can be in the midst of fire and come out not smelling like smoke. And so we want to thrive in our relationship with him. And community is one of the things that help us thrive. And I think we underestimate community sometimes in our discipleship. You know, often we think of, hey, I need to read this book or I need to listen to these, this sermon. And those are very good things. But that's not the only way we grow in our relationship with, Lord, with the Lord. I'm going to share a story with you. It may seem a little rough. If it offends you, please forgive. Pardon my folly. Uh, but this is a true story, and I want to share it with you. So a buddy of mine, Drew, we used to live in Rochester, New York, and they have this grocery store called Wegmans. So my buddy Drew was going into the Wegmans. And, um, you know, they have these shopping carts. By the way, if you're on the East Coast, you're in New York, you got to visit Wegmans. It's, it's that spot. So anyway, so they have the shopping carts with the cars attached to them for the little kids, right? We've, we've all seen that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. So my guy, he's walking down the aisle, and he sees uh, this mother with her child. And the boy, he's in there, and he's into it, driving, like, mm, like, taking it serious and then they run into a little bit of traffic. And all of a sudden, the boy lays on the horn like, "Er, er," and he says, get out of the way, donkey. Now, you gotta translate donkey, then you know what I'm talking about. But he says, get out of the way. And you know, and there's a a little bit of humor to that, but there's some real pointed truth to that. And the pointed truth to that is, where did he learn that from? Did he learn it from a book? Did he learn it from a class? He learned it from watching those around him, being in the car with somebody driving. And sometimes I think we underestimate the amount of learning that takes place when we're in relationship just doing life with other people. And so we're going to discover here in the Word of God, how much importance God puts on community and relationships as a part of our discipleship. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Philippians, the third chapter. And we are going to read Philippians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 17 through 20. And so looking at verse 17, uh, the Apostle Paul, he pins these words. He says, Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me. I didn't put that in there. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears writing this with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, talking about an ungodly desire. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking at verses 17, really honing in there, he says, Brothers, join in imitating me. Join in imitating me. Paul isn't putting the spotlight on himself. He isn't being prideful, saying, If you wanna know the next best thing to Jesus, it's me. He's not saying that. He knows how important. It is to have a living example. Now, one of the things that you have to remember at this time is that they don't have a Bible like we have. You know, this is still the early church. And so they get this letter that he wrote, but they don't have like a full Old Testament. Well, they do have a full Old Testament, but they don't have a private individual copy. They don't even have a compiled New Testament. So community is big for them. If they're going to live like Jesus, they need to see some living witnesses of people who know Jesus. And Paul says, hey, I want you to join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. He's saying, look, you can look at me and then look at the others in your community that you know that are living like Christ would have them live. Once again, this is not saying, hey, forget about Jesus, focus on these people. He's saying, no, these people are good examples of what it means to follow Christ. Now, uh, as a kid, I remember being on the highway, going out of town, and there was one sign that if if we saw it, my brother was gonna go nuts and ask my dad to stop it. That sign was the golden arches, right? Right? The golden arches. Why? Because we wanted some fries. We wanted a grub. We could have just got through eating and be like, hey, McDonald's, let's stop. I want to go to McDonald's. You know, let's go. When he pulled off the highway, we didn't stop at the sign. We didn't park at the sign and just get out and just look at the sign. There it is, the golden arches. No, we went in and we ordered. And so when we have godly people among us, they are signs. Not signs in the sense that we worship them, but they are signs pointing us to the living Christ. We don't stop at them, but we look at them, and then we glorify God for the godly example. They call us deeper into our relationship with Christ. Amen? So we need community to thrive in our relationship with God. So what does community do for us? Number one, when you have godly examples, godly people, it ignites your passion. It ignites your passion. You know, I remember uh, when I was in college, uh, I was feeling down, uh, a little discouraged. And I went to the library to read because I love to read. And um, when I was going there, a good friend of mine, he was there. And so, you know, we stopped and we chopped it up for a bit and started talking, and I didn't get to read because him and I talked the whole entire time. But here's what was happening. You know, after I processed it, this is what I found to be happening. is we were talking with one another about the Lord, it seemed to be whatever little fire he had, a spark sparked over here. Started a little fire, and it was like a little spark leaked from here. Boom! increase the flame and all of a sudden we were having this passionate conversation about the Lord and about what God was doing in our lives that when we were leaving I looked at him and I said man I feel so encouraged he says yeah you feel that too he says it's like a fire what is that it's when we have a passionate faith it's contagious and we need people in our lives who stoke that fire We don't need people putting water and dousing our flames. But when you go through enough rough situations, when you're talking with people throughout the day, it's just natural that the the flame gets a little lower and decreases. But we need to have people around us who know the Lord that we can go to and we can talk to, conversate, share our hearts with. And when that starts to happen, boy, there's a fire that burns. Have any of you ever felt that fire before? Yeah, that's something that we need and that we want to have in our lives. Examples of people who are on fire with God, all you got to do is spend a little time with them. And I've been around people that I've just spent a little time, and literally I'm like, I got to go pray. (laughs) I got to go pray because, God, I want to know you like they know you. I want what they have. Something inside of us should provoke others to want to seek God more. This is not about shining the light on yourself, but it's about encouraging others, come on, go after God with all you have. Amen. It ignites passion. You know, uh, there's another example of this in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, uh, looking at verses 1 and 2, you could write it down. You don't have to turn there. But Luke Uh, who's the writer of the book of Acts, who also wrote uh, the gospel of Luke uh, that bears his name, he's writing to this person, Theophilus, which means lover of God or God lover. And he's writing and he says this, he says, in the first book, meaning the gospel of Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. What I want us to pay attention to is these words. He says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. It's important to realize that when Jesus called his disciples and apostles to follow him, he just didn't spit words at them. Of course, the words that he spoke were spirit and life, but he did some things. He lived a life of demonstration. And if you read through the gospels, you get the sense that they're walking with Jesus and they're seeing him heal people. And because the disciples are with Jesus all the time, one time he's away and some people come up and they're like, oh, they've been with Jesus. So they say, hey, can, can you pray for my son? Cause they're expecting, hey, you hang out with him. You should be able to do the same things that he does. And so Jesus had this kind of mentoring or apprenticeship with his disciples. I just didn't call you together to be with me just to listen to me. But I call to teach you and to demonstrate the very things that I want you to be able to walk in. And so the disciples had this relationship with Jesus where they were learning and they got to ask questions. You know, they tried to pray for that young man and they couldn't do it. And uh, later, you know, Jesus showed up and he took care of it just like that. And they were like, why couldn't we do it? And he says, well, this kind sometimes comes out with prayer and fasting. You know, oh, okay. All right. All right. We got it now. We're just going to keep watching you. And pretty soon Jesus sent them out on their own missions. But even when, after Jesus ascends, there's another passage in Acts. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The apostles are on their own now, and they're out doing these same things that Jesus did. Why? Because he taught them, and he showed them, and he demonstrated. But in Acts 4.13, listen to what it says. It says, talking about these religious leaders of the day, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. They're doing all of this, but they didn't go to the school we went to. They didn't have the same kind of training we had, but it says, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. (laughs) See, they had been in the school with Jesus. They didn't get a degree, and I don't bash degrees because Paul was a very educated man. So God can use educated people, but he can also use uneducated people. He wants to use whoever comes to him with a yielded heart. But you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have any special ranking. If God calls you to get those things, by all means, go for it and get them. But what we're, say, what we're seeing here is what was the defining mark about these apostles was that they had been with Jesus. Degree or no degree, be with Jesus. That's the importance there, because we can learn something when we're with people who have a passionate faith. And so what's important here is that community, when we live in relationships, not only does community, not only does people of God ignite our faith, but they can show us the way. They can show us how to live. They can show us how to do things that we maybe are not aware of. I remember uh, when my first year pastoring uh, at a church, um, you know, we have the emerg- we had an emergency phone, and so it rotated between the pastors. So if something came up, you know, if it was your turn, no matter what it was, you had to deal with it. So like my first, I'm new, brand new at the church, uh, really in my first full-time pastorate role, and the phone rings when I have. And so there's a little thing like, oh, man, okay, Lord, I want to be available. Why I got to be on my time? You know, a little bit of frustration. And the call that I get was a lady who had been attending our congregation that her brother was on his deathbed, and he wanted somebody to come pray with him. And so in that moment, I was like, (laughs) okay, I'll be right there. Oh, what am I going to say? Oh, what am I going to do? And in that moment, the Holy Spirit just flashed before my imagination years, years before when I was a child. My father is a pastor, and often my father would have me with him when he went to go do things. And I remembered this moment when I had to go with my dad to the hospital to visit someone who was on the deathbed. I saw in my imagination, all of a sudden I remembered, what he went in, as he said to the family, how he gathered them together, the words he spoke to them. Then as he went to the, the deathbed of the dying person, I remember what he said to them and how he said it. And all of a sudden, that took my anxiety levels down. And in that moment, I became extremely grateful for my father. I said, Lord, thank you. This is beyond wisdom that you would do that because you knew that at a time like this, I would need to be able to ex- I would be able to need to draw upon that experience. And see, this is why discipleship is so important. Many of of us sit here and we feel like, I don't know how to pray. Well, maybe the best thing you you could do is get close to someone who you think knows how to pray really well. And just listen to them pray. You know, we have pre-service prayer that happens before every service On a Sunday, maybe you just come in early and don't worry about feeling ashamed, and you say, you know what? I'm just going to listen to them pray and just learn how to pray. We need to have people around us who will show us the way. We have people in our community who are gifted in various areas. Who are the people in your life that are showing you the way? Maybe you're wondering, maybe you say, you know what, often I feel like God gives me a picture of something and I really don't know what to do with that picture. Who can I talk to about that? Who can I draw close that maybe God speaks to them in the same way? You know, we don't have to feel ashamed about that. I think that shame is one of the biggest enemies that keeps us from living in community with one another. You know, well, I don't wanna be embarrassed, you know. I don't want people to know that I don't know how to do something, no. Asking questions is some of the best things you could do. If you see somebody, if you know, okay, my wife is telling me I'm not loving her well. I need to learn how to love her well. Let me see who, who seems like they're loving their wife well. And when you go and you talk to that person and you begin to find, you begin to listen to them, all of a sudden they're sharing that they've been through the same things you've been through. And somebody showed them how to navigate it, and they just pass it on to you. And you begin to say, oh, okay, I can do this. See, we don't have to do this alone. But God has examples right among us who could teach us and show us the way. Amen. Another verse of Scripture here. 1 Timothy 1.5. Paul is writing to a young man. He's had the privilege of discipling. And Paul wasn't the only influence in this young man's life. And he begins to tell him, he says, Timothy, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. You got the real thing, boy. I'm reminded of that. He says, of faith, the real thing that dwelt first in your grandmother. He said, your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. He says, I'm sure it's in you. Now, he's not saying that salvation is inherited. Let's get that on the table right now. He's not saying that, hey, because your grandmother saved, you saved. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, look, you've been around the real thing you've seen your grandmother live this thing. She was a living witness and you've seen your mother live this real thing. He says, and you know what? I am so convinced that it's in you. And then he tells him, he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So look at this. We've got grandmother. We've got mother and then we've got Paul. Timothy couldn't get away if he wanted to. It, it, it was all around him, he saw it demonstrated, he saw it lived out, and Paul was saying, boy, it's in you, but now you're gonna have to fan it in the flame, you've gotta do something. You've gotta stir it up. And see, this is why it's good to be in a church that's multigenerational, is because you have people who are older in the faith you have peers in the faith, and you have people who are younger in the faith. And when we're all journeying together, we can learn from the younger, we can learn from our peers, and we can learn from the older. And so we all have something to offer. Nobody's done away with here in the community of God. We all are valuable to one another. And Timothy learned how to live the faith because of the godly examples he had in his life. See, this is the other thing that godly people, this is the other thing that community does for us. It ignites our faith. It ignites our faith. Let me tell you that God wants to do wonderful things at Grace. How many of you know that? How many of you really believe that? Well, let me tell you what Grace Community Church is. Grace Community Church is not a church located on Maras Road. It is every single one of us. So in essence, when we say God wants to do great things through Grace Community Church, we're saying that he wants to do great things through you and I. And so we need our faith ignited. There, is, there are gifts resident on the inside of each and every one of us. You know, God doesn't put all of his gifts in one person. If he put all of his gifts in one person, then there would be no need for relationships. But he gifts each and every one of us uniquely because we need each other. And there are people that God places in our lives around us so that we can draw upon their experiences, so that we can draw upon their faith and step out in the things that God is calling us to do. And so we need people who ignite our faith. You know, I had the privilege of, I'm so grateful for having the privilege of having godly parents, you know. Um, I have a praying mom who, you know, I I remember moments, she is just like the Lord just would show her things. I remember one time we were having a Bible study at home and uh, my dad was doing a lesson on, uh, forgiveness. And so my mom, she had this example. She said, so she, you know, she, my dad would often teach and my mom would try to break it down in ways that me and my brothers can understand. And so one time she broke it down. She said, so boys, it's like this. You know, Let's just say you're playing downstairs in my closet. And you know, I keep my ceramic vases in there. So you're, pr- you're playing around and you break one of the vases. Well, the right thing to do is to come up and say, mom, I broke one of your vases, could you please forgive me? So that's a good example. So we're listening, we're taking it in, and all of a sudden, my younger brother, he goes, "Uh, mom, can you please forgive me, because I was playing in the closet and I broke your vase? And she says, no, 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 baby, that's just an example. He says, no, mom, I really broke it. (laughs) By the way, young people, that's the perfect time to confess because you're just responding to the word so you won't get in trouble. <laughs> but anyway, you know, my mom was just that person who was, it seemed to be in touch and in tune with God. By no means perfect, but I could wake up in the morning to go to the bathroom at five, and I knew she would be on her knees with pictures before her of not only of her children, but other people praying for them and calling out their name. You know, I I see that, and I'm just on my way to the bathroom. But later in life, when I'm thinking, like, Lord, I want to know you, all of a sudden, there's the example of mom saying, hey, your mother knew me. You can know me. I've had different godly people in my life. I remember in Bible college, uh, I'm just walking down the hall. Uh, The president of the college, Paul Johansson, he sees me walking, and he says, you, in my office right now. And I just go in his office and he begins to tell me just about what God has for me. And he becomes a mentor. Like every week he's bringing me in his office, cutting me open, doing surgery, sewing me back up. And it's like, all right, get out there. <laughs> and, uh, but we all need people like that who ignite faith in us. Why? Because God has a great call on our lives. I want to show you this. Next is kind of a triangle of learning, of how we learn. And there are three basic ways uh, to learning. The first at the top of the triangle there is information. And that's where you're just taking maybe notes or you're reading something. You're just taking solid good information and you're learning. That's one valuable way of learning. Now, I do believe that is the way of learning that we've put on a pedestal. Well, if we think, hey, we, often we think, we don't say this, but we think, oh, the way to transformation is right information and right teaching. If I got right information and right teaching, boom, it's done. That's transformation. Well, you and I have probably taken a lot of notes from all the services that we've been in, right? And we can look back at those notes and see that there's areas that we still need growth, right? So none of us have mastered all the notes that we have taken. Now, there's another way of learning, and that way is called imitation. And this, is mean, this just means when I have somebody who I can apprentice myself to, and they can live it out before me. You know, it's almost, so, you know, if you know someone who is a doctor, they just didn't read the book and sit in the classroom and say, all right, I'm going to practice now. How many of you would let someone who read a book And they read it. You know they read it. They passed all kind of written tests. How many of you would let them do surgery on you? No, you would want somebody who was apprenticed to someone, who learned, and who had some experience that they gradually learned and grew in before they start operating on their own. Well, I think that's the same way in the faith. There are men and women who we can draw close to to see, man, how they're living their life and how we can just watch them and imitate them. Imitate them as they imitate Christ. Lord, okay, I see that. That's somebody you're putting in my life and I'll, I wanna follow them. The third way is immersion. And this is kind of how we tend to, uh, if you think about just being dropped in the environment, right, <laughs> and you just gotta figure out something. So you've been learning Spanish, you've studied the books, maybe, and then someone says, all right, Tomorrow, I'm dropping you off in the middle of El Salvador, and you just got to speak Spanish. You know, you say a couple of bad words. You say the wrong thing. You know, you say Lord knows what. But eventually, you're going to learn because you might get hit a few times. People might look at you crazy, and you'll know, oh, I can't say that again. But you learn by experience. And so that's very valuable, too. But I think we need to have a balance of all of these things, where we're learning by information. We're taking the right information. We're getting good, solid teaching. But not only that, we're saying, okay, Lord, I sense you're calling this, you're calling me to this. Who is in my life? Who's around me that could teach me this? This is the value of community. And so when we talk about community groups, when we talk about D groups here at Grace, we're not trying to get you to do one more thing on your list. We're not trying to say, I know you don't have a lot to do, so I'm going to give you one more thing. No, what we're looking at, we know that you want to be passionate about following Christ. And you need to have relationships that ignite your fire. You need to have people who help show you the way. You need to have people around you that build your faith. So the benefit of being in a D group is you're going to be journeying with people who are doing the same things, and you're going to challenge each other. You're going to call each other to go deeper and higher in the Lord. The reason you have these kinds of healthy, godly relationships is so you can be challenged and grow and even help others grow. That's why we do it. Now, if you're interested in the D group, I'm going to be doing a D group experience this Tuesday. Paul already talked about it. Um, I would love to have you there. If you're thinking like, I don't know about it, I'm unsure, please come. I'm not going to make you do anything. We'll have fun, and I guarantee you it will be a blessing to you. But it will be an opportunity. If you know that God has taught you things, please don't sit on that. Maybe you need to come because God wants to give you some people you need to be leading in a D group. Or maybe you're like I. I'm just starting, but you know what? I want to grow, so I'm going to come and I'm going to be with whoever I need to be with in a D group. I'd love to see you there. But what is God showing you about the relationships in your life? What is he saying to you particular about community? I'm going to ask the worship band to come up and uh, they will lead us in another verse of only Jesus. But I want you to be thinking about, man, who are the people that I need in my life? What relationships is God calling me to? Am I taking advantage of, in a good way, of the people around me? What do I need? Do I need to be involved in the small group? What are those things that I can do to grow? And after this song here, um, I'll come back and share some other things
1: with you. Together for me, for me, for me, Only Jesus for me, for me, Only Jesus for me, for me, Only Jesus for me, for me, Only Jesus. For me, for me. Only Jesus.
0: today. So as the worship band was rehearsing this morning, you know, they didn't sing this again at the end of the service. And as they were singing it, I just felt the presence of the Lord. And I was like, man, would you guys mind singing that again? Well, I just got through speaking with Pastor Rock and he said, you know what? He said, as that song was being sung today, I just really had a sense that God was working in people's hearts to just say, you know what? I want to really live only for Jesus. And you know, I concur with that. And uh, uh, Pastor Rock just thought it would be wonderful if you are feeling like, man, yeah, I want to live for him. I want to surrender. We'd like to offer you or just invite you the opportunity just to come and kneel if you want. Kneel, make this a place of meeting between you and God and just say, Lord, whatever it is, I'm going to lay it down this morning. And allow Him to take those things as we surrender to Him, and uh, God will do what He needs to do in that time. All right. So feel free to just come on. Uh, don't even wait. <laughs> you know, if you know that that's you and you need to surrender some things, and you like, I, I want to be all in for Jesus. Just make your way down. Make your way down. Uh, those of you who that's not for you, and you feel like, man, I'll just stay and pray. Or if you need to go, you're. you're but God bless you, and uh, let the Lord let the Lord do His work. Amen.
2: Simple message, he said, "Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand." And uh, his message wasn't scolding; it was an invitation. He was saying, "Look, if you'll make the decisions, the changes that God has been speaking to you about making, the kingdom of God can be yours—a nearness with God, intimacy with God, the spirit of God, the blessings of God can be yours." And uh, so he's just inviting people to follow. do what Jesus was calling God was calling them to do and for some of you you know what that is things God has been speaking to you about for weeks maybe months maybe it's a destructive relationship that you're in as he's been calling you to have the courage to step out and follow him maybe it's a relationship like Jesus talking about to pursue a, a, a relationship to pursue someone who can strengthen your faith and, and show you the way and uh, he's saying, make the time to draw near so you can be changed by, by, by this kind of thing. Maybe it's a habit, uh, an addiction that you're stuck in and, and the Lord is saying, repent, turn from it. Uh, be open, tell the truth, get help because the kingdom of God is near. You can have the blessings of God if you'll let go of the things that are keeping you from God. So I just sense that's what the Lord is inviting us to do, is to make those decisions about things he's talking to us about so that we can enjoy the kingdom, the rule, and the blessing of God in our lives. So, Father, we do, we just pray for those that have come, you see their hearts, we just ask in the name of Jesus, you give them faith in you to say yes, to release the things that hold them back, the barnacles, the the things that cause drag on their spiritual life so they can run with freedom after you. And Lord, we pray that you release them to say yes to pursue the things that will give them life and allow them to see you and to know the way. Lord, we long for your kingdom, we long for your blessing, we long for your manifest presence in our lives. So, Lord, we just pray you'd help us to repent where we need to repent so that we can enjoy you unfettered, undiminished, undimmed. We thank you for this moment of of just revealing the wonder of Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior of the world who came to give us life. Lord, we just tell you, thank you for loving us. We love you help us to release the things that would hold us back and bring your kingdom lord to this place to these people we pray in the name of jesus for each one who's here that you release the assurance of forgiveness the assurance of belonging the assurance of peace lord bring your kingdom to each one of these lives we pray that in jesus name amen amen have a good sunday everybody